Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sylvia F. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, 2017. We are reading from the big book and we are on page 27 on the fifth paragraph. Upon hearing this friend was somewhat relieved. Today's readers are Beatrice C. on the 12 steps, Sherry KB on the 12 traditions, Camille G is a reader, John K, and Karen T. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C at the end of the meeting. The reference numbers for uh, the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, Eastern Time, is 9846, 9846. This morning's meeting, Tuesday, April 18th at 7 a.m. on East Coast Time is 9848, 9848. Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Beatrice C. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Beatrice C. And I am gonna read uh, the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Beatrice. I will now ask Sherry KB to read the 12 traditions. Sherry? Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry K.B. in Northern California, a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Uh, the 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain 
forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Nika. Thank you, Sherry. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we, reserve, we resume our study of the big book on page 25. It's the fifth paragraph upon hearing this friend was somewhat relieved. We're going to read through three paragraphs ending a design for living that really works, and we will be commenting on all. And this morning, I would like to ask Camille G. to be uh, to read those paragraphs. Star one, Camille G. We can't hear you yet, Camille. Good morning. This is Camille G. in Reno. Can you hear me, Sylvia? We can hear you. Go ahead. Thank you. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Here was the terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself when he had the extraordinary experience, which, as we have already told you, made him a free man. We, in our turn, sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proven to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or, if you prefer, a design for living that really works. Thank you. Sylvia? Yes, go ahead. Uh, oh, go ahead and share or keep reading? Uh, share. Oh, hi, this or, is Camille G. in Reno, Nevada. Good morning. Um, I am in the throes of moving a house today. It's my final day in the house. I've been in for 33 years. Um, the, the phrase that caught me that is so meaningful to me today is a design for living that really works. Um, in thick and thin and hard, hard times and easy times, Um, No matter what, I take my program with me, and I'm just extremely grateful that I get to practice um, all the principles in this program today and that I have a God, and I know that what I'm doing is possible and that we'll move through fluidly as long as I keep my hand in God's hand and um, I'm abstinent. So with that, I pass, and I thank you for um, allowing me to read. Thank you, Camille G. I'll now take a list of uh, who would like to share on this paragraph. Katie G from Boston. Katie G. Who else? Stephanie N. Stephanie N. John K. John K. Anyone else ready? Okay. I guess we'll go with these three, and then we'll go back. Katie G., Stephanie N., and John K. Katie G., it's it's your turn. Good morning, Sylvia. May I be heard? Yes. Good morning. Let me get my timer. Good morning, 10 a.m. Thank you for 
for showing up. I've never been to this meeting, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic, KDG in Boston, Mass. Yay! Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. So the first thing that um, that struck me is, um, you know, like thinking that, you know, my morals, I wasn't ever very religious, but thinking that my morals would be good enough and therefore I would be okay, right, that I could get program and um, and then I wouldn't really have to do much work. Um, but it talks about it wouldn't, um, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. And vital, if you know me for five minutes, vital is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite words. And, um, you know, I too, I've had, I absolutely have had an extraordinary experience. And the thing is today, guys, like um, with abstinence and the steps, you know, I continue to seek escape with the desperation of a drowning woman, like the fire is in my belly. And, um, and I remember coming out of relapse and, um, and, and the steps really were a flimsy read. Uh, All I knew was that what I was doing was profoundly not working. Like, I didn't know. I mean, I had been in the rooms for years and years and had relapsed and I was like, all I can say is that what I'm doing is absolutely fundamentally not working. And that was enough to help me, you know, so they're telling us we're going to have this vital life-giving experience, right? And the desperation of a drowning man. So if I'm drowning, I have no air. I need something vital. I need something to give me air. And oh my gosh, this design for living, this opportunity, like my sponsor, helped get my hand into God's. And this design for living has fundamentally changed my life in ways I never imagined. I'm not in bondage to anything today. And no matter what, no matter what is happening, no matter how other people are or are not acting, job or no job, wife or no wife, house or no house, whatever is going on for me, I have a design for living and I never knew like when I was a little girl and then early in program, like I didn't cognitively understand what do people do when they get up in the morning? How do they live their life? Like I spent all my time eating, starving and exercising that I didn't know what it would mean to live my life. And today, you know, with my commitments around my entire abstinence and my plan for the day and the steps and the sponsor call and the sponsee calls and the 10 steps and the outreach and the 11 step. Like I, you know, I have a design for my life today. And um, I'll just close with this, like no matter what happens, I have a place I have to belong and a, and a, and a way out of whatever situation I feel like I'm in. So, what a privilege to be doing it one more day with all of you and um blessed to be here and looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Stephanie N., your turn. Sorry, I was on speaker. Thank you. This is Stephanie N., recovered in Kansas. Um, the reading really touched me today. Um, I was that good church girl. I thought I was so very, very good and um, or I stood on my high horse looking down, um, kind of like a Pharisee. I, st- I actually confessed that one time. I said, I think I'm a Pharisee. And, um, you know, just looking down on others in, in judgment filled with pride. Um, and so, you know, I was just drowning in that self-reliance, selfishness, self-pity, self-seeking, completely caved in on myself, um, greed, lack um, of love for others. Um, even my children, I would get really um, jealous over food. You know, I didn't want to share certain foods with them. And I didn't see that as jealousy or envy, but it was um, that greed just was um, just so prevalent in in my life. So coming in that way, um, it was a real miracle that I was resurrected from that in that um, that, um, it was a complete change of my life. I'm truly a different person. I'm now gentle and humble and generous and gentility is something that it almost turned my stomach to think of being a gentle person. I did not want that. I did not, I just saw it as weakness and I didn't want anything to do with it. But now um, I'm just so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life. And um, it's just a true grace that, that um, 
you know, my higher power could take someone like me and just change me, that personality change sufficient for recovery. That's what I have. The other day we were at a restaurant and I um, was eating my, my abstinent food and my daughter had something that was abstinent food. And I was looking at that like, oh, I really want that. And, and then all of a sudden that, that compulsion was taken from me. And, um, and I kind of smiled to myself and I was like, thank you, God, because the old me would have, you know, reached across and been like, oh, you finished and eaten hers too. And, and, um, you know, and I, I was just like, you know, that's a miracle. It's a real miracle. God has just done so much for me that I could never have done for myself. And I'm just so grateful. Um, thank you, Sylvia. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. John Kay. Good morning. Thank you, Sylvia. Um, my name is John Kiernan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Los Angeles. Um, you know, the way these uh, two paragraphs tie back to the one before it, where they talk about a vital spiritual experience, you know, for me, I came from this very dogmatic religion that was sort of forced on me. I mean, you know, but it's what you're born into. And, um, and for a long time, um, I, you know, I had trouble with that. And then I sort of went off and whatever kind of God or higher power I had was essentially Santa Claus. You know, I have this list and you give me, you give me everything on this list and then I'll believe in you. And of course, most of the time it didn't. So sooner or later, I had no real belief at all. And, and as I've shared in the past, I said my first real belief in glimmering of higher power was simply me getting the idea I was a lesser power. You know, I've always said my, my basic form, the basic early form of the first three steps for me was, hey, I can't stop. I've had a lifetime of trying. Uh, number two, hey, I could see other people here in the program who could. And three was, hey, maybe I should just ask one of them for help and, and get out of the driver's seat. And that was, you know, the key for me. Now, you know, today, after all these years, I, I do have a belief in a higher power, you know. And for me, it, it's not the higher power. It wasn't this dogmatic thing, you know, giving me all these rules. It was simply, in a lot of ways, just a little bit like a loving power, parent that, you know, um, gently guides me, you know, and my higher power is really about the truth, you know, the truth I know is deep inside me, and it's, it's, it's unvarnished by me and myself and my self-interest, you know, it's about, you know, doing what's right, it's about doing what's best for me, and, you know, if I get quiet and I listen, you know, as much as I may be annoyed with what I hear, I know it's, it's the truth for me, it's sort of like having a, um, Having that loving parent go, come on, John, you know what you got to do. Come on, you know. And, you know, the little five-year-old, no, I don't want to. But it, it's, to me, it's really the key. And, and it's where this higher power brings me where when we get to that line on page 28, you know, you know, with all the desperation of drowning men, you know, if I want this to work, you know, my loving higher powers can say, come on, you, you know, you, you've been at these meetings, you know what they say. And it's really true. This book pounds home this concept, you know, the concept of surrender over and over and over, you know, with all the desperation of drowning men. If you do that, this will work. You know, if you are willing to go to any length, this will work. If you don't keep doing half measures, you know, and the, I always say the hardest thing about half measures is the illusion that it gives you something, but it doesn't when it's all said and done. With complete abandon, you know, all of these things are what seems like, and, and I had to be willing to surrender because my disease was so wrapped up in my brain, it wanted to negotiate all the time. And, you know, I love cafeterias, but this program doesn't work on a cafeteria plan, but surrender does, you know, and, and this design for living is the key, and I'll wrap up. I, I always say that this program you know, it helped me lose 100 pounds off my body, but it helped me lose thousands of pounds off my shoulders. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John Kay. Who else do I have who would like to share? We're on page, last paragraph on page 27 and the top of page 28. Carrie Kay. Sherry Kay. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. Karen T. Karen T. Anyone else? I'll flip in there then. Okay, we've got Sherry K, Jody EQ, Karen T, and maybe Sylvia. Go ahead, Sherry. Hi, this is Carrie K, newly recovered. Oh, Carrie K. That's okay. Uh, from Boulder, Colorado. And I had made a couple of notes in my book 
about this section. And one of the things, um, again, where it mentions he was a good man or people already have a religious background, but what I realized is that the only way I'm going to gain recovery is to change who I am and what I do. So obviously, all the things I had tried in the past worked for an incredibly short time, and then I regained the weight plus some or um, just quit immediately. It, it didn't really matter because I wasn't really changing my thoughts. I was just changing what I ate. And um, so when he talks about the dilemma and the issue of the drowning man and with fear, what what I realized is the pain that the food causes my life causes me and continues to cause me as I'm in the food, that has to outweigh the fear I had of letting those foods go and knowing that when I let them go, they had to stay gone. It wasn't just, oh, do this for a month, everything will be perfect and you can go back to the way you were. So I had to make a permanent change in who I was, how I was, and what I thought. And eventually the fear went away and I was able to let the food go, which also relieved the pain that the food was obviously causing me. It's an ongoing process, and as it says, a design for living. It's a design for life. You can't just do it for a short time and then think you're done, think you're cured, and you can go back to the way you were. Because that's the path I used to take, and I know for a fact that doesn't work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Jody EQ? Thank you. Is Jody EQ, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. So, yeah, why is it that people who have very good religious practices, spiritual practices, don't have the vital spiritual experience necessary to recover from this disease? It's an, an interesting question for me. I know people who are religious who are very, who have a design for living that that is profound, that is very good. Why do they suffer with this disease? I also know people in other 12-step programs such as AA who have a problem with food and they have a design for living that's working for them in many ways except in the area of food. Why is this? Very spiritual people working a strong spiritual program, whether it be a religion or another 12-step program, and yet they cannot stop eating compulsively? Well, I think the answer must be that unless we get abstinent from our alcoholic foods and also work these steps with the intention of helping another compulsive overeater, that we cannot recover. So even if I am working the 12 steps in another program, if I'm not abstinent and helping other compulsive overeaters, I can't recover because those are two essential requirements for my recovery. I'm just, um, yeah, I've often thought about this and wondered about it and grateful that I found a design for living in Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 steps that enables me to be abstinent happily, happily abstaining from my alcoholic foods and happily sponsoring other compulsive overeaters, truly. There's nothing more, more rewarding than to help someone recover from this disease and to find this design for living. I'm so grateful for that ability today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Karen T. Hello, this is Karen T. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Louisiana. Thank you so much, Carrie, for leading. Um, I uh, wanted to talk about this terrible dilemma in which this man found himself. 
So he had some religious convictions, just like Jody was just saying. And, um, but they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. The dilemma was, I have to find this vital spiritual experience or else I'm doomed to an addiction death. And um, with food, for me, it was a slow death. It was, you know, um, just the incomprehensible demoralization of getting up each morning and not being sure if I was going to be abstinent that day or not. My worst binging, I had been in L.A. for eight years and I was in a terrible relapse. And I just did not know um, if the food was going to run me that day or or something else. So, um, you know, as Jody was saying, why did religious convictions not work? And um, for me, I really, really, really had to take step one in a deep level. I cannot control my food when I'm binging and I cannot control my food when I'm abstinent. I am powerless over food even when I haven't had my alcoholic food in my body for years because of this terrible um, obsession of the mind where I can't seem to remember that I have alcoholic food. Um, And so, you know, when people come into OA and work the steps, and when I came into OA and worked the steps, I had to have a necessary, vital spiritual experience. It's like a, it says in other places in the big book, a total shift, a psychic change, um, emotional displacements and rearrangements, which we talked about uh, in the paragraph above what we read today. And uh, so this is not just, I'm going to get a little closer to a higher power and that's going to solve my problem. This is, I have to have a whole attitude and outlook upon life, which is, which has changed. Um, and for me, it's really seeing where I'm selfish and doing those 10 steps. And every morning with the 11th step, getting up and recommitting my third step, recommitting the care to a higher power. Um, And so thank you so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Karen T. And this is Sylvia F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California, and I'm going to slip in here for a minute. And um, so it says here that, you know, that the only way out of this misery that I was living in is having a vital spiritual experience. And, uh, you know, we've been reading a lot about how we get that, which is, you know, through working the steps. And what do the steps do but um, connect us to a spiritual or spiritual higher power or um, a different way of thinking and acting? And so, you know, what makes us do it? Well, we see someone else that says, made him a free man. And, you know, did I want freedom? But this one, next paragraph has such an amazing, I, I have such an image of this, and this came from my sponsor and from hearing it so many times on the meeting, the desperation of drowning men. And, um, you know, if I, I, was, I was going down the Colorado Rapids, basically, in my life. I, I was ashamed of my body. My, uh, my, my life was a mess, even if you looked at it from the outside and it looked okay. I was making a muck of things with my, uh, especially at my work, with my family, with my relationships, with my family at birth. Things were not going well, and um, I, just, I just felt out of control. So I had, you know, I, I, I was on that rapid of life, uh, and it wasn't going well. And then, you know, if, if you can visualize those flimsy reeds on the sides of these rivers, on the Mississippi River, there's these flimsy reeds. They look flimsy. But yet, I am going down. I am going down this river. I am going to drown. And all I have to do is reach out and grab this flimsy reed. I have to do that. Nobody can do it for me. I have to reach out. 
And even though it looks like a flimsy reed, those roots go deep. They're going to hold me. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it, but it's true. I'm going to grab those reeds and it's going to slow me down. And that proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. And um, that reaching out and saying, I'm desperate and that's what I want, was I was reaching out to the program, to the fellowship, to the steps, to God. And that's where I got this design for living. Um, and, and I often think of those flimsy reeds. You know, it, it's never what it seems. Those, that, that reed was strong enough to slow that tide for me, to slow that river, so that I could get a, get a minute and with the fellowship do the work that I needed to do. And uh, I have been, I have given the gift, been given the gift of recovery one day at a time. My life is pretty unbelievable, even if I can uh, make a mountain out of it. With that, I pass and let's open it up for sharing. Let me remind you that we're on page 27, the last paragraph. And then we're on the first two paragraphs where it ends. A new life has been given us or a design for living. Who would like to share? Carlisa C. <laughs> Carlisa C. and your dog. <laughs> okay. No, that wasn't Kat- my dog. That, that's okay. not my dog. That's okay. Kathleen O. and her dog. Sorry. Hey, Kathleen and your dog. <laughs> your dog was very excited. Sherry. Who else do I have? Sherry H. Sherry H. Terry with a T. Terry. Terry. Terry KB. Reggie KB. O. Reggie O. Reggie, Reggie O. I could take one more. Or we could stop there. Carlisa C., Kathleen O., Terry H., Sherry KB., and Reggie O. Carlisa? Oh, thank you for your service. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Uh, Carlisa C., recovered in Washington, D.C. You know, I was listening and I've been thinking um, when I lapse into taking other people's inventory by wondering what, why, you know, we can't, uh, others can't do what seems so easy to do, um, I, <laughs> I have to come back to my own experience, which is I was brought up in the church situation. I had deeply spiritual mothers, grandmother, you know, people who really did believe in the God of power. Um, and I had, uh, I had religious convictions galore. You know, I had religious training galore. Uh, However, uh, when it came to food, and I could name a thousand other things, but let's just stick with food, when it came to compulsive eating and compulsive eating behaviors, the first truism I have to say is I didn't want to give up food. I wanted to give up the negative consequences, but the positive effects, I wanted. And to be honest, um, with the mental obsession that I have, I still want it. I haven't changed. I'm, uh, I am being given a daily reprieve, but let's get real about the thing. Uh, and then I, uh, the second aspect that I did not have was willingness, right? So I'm so happy in this section of the book we've already read about these two uh, necessary conditions, necessary and sufficient conditions. We have to want to give up our substance, and we have to be willing to give up our substance. Um, And then with that desire and willingness, uh, especially, and this is the third proposal I will reiterate, is to go to any length, because that's what the book says over and over again. We have to be willing to go to any length to to have these these um spiritual awakenings and spiritual experiences and it may take a very long 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 time none of which is in my control all i can do is exert the effort which we are beginning to see uh, and going to see really much much more of by walking these steps to the best of my ability every day and to remembering that, and to remember, especially in my case, because I will forget this in a hot second, like I get a new daily anointing of time and energy and effort and beauty in the world. I live on the east coast of America, and spring is in full throttle bloom. And it's just gorgeous that the same creator who makes the trees flower and then leaf has, has claimed me. You know, but I I have to do that daily. I have to get daily in touch with that creator. Um, 
And that's what this book says, that we have a daily reprieve from our addictions, our substance abuse, our compulsions, food, in my case particularly, based on the maintenance of spiritual fitness. And uh, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Carrie H., followed by Sherry K.D. Hi, Sylvia. This is Kathleen O. Oh, Great Kathleen week. O. Yes. Oh, sorry. You know what? I was unmuted, so I thought maybe <laughs> I, I had inadvertently skipped you. Please. It worked out I'm perfectly. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> that was pretty presumptuous of me. Um, yes. So thank you. This is Kathleen, recovered in Northern California, um, just for today, and thank you, God. Uh, so the, the sentence, this hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell, spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. And that was actually good news for me because I didn't have religious convictions. Um, you know, I was raised in a religious family, but I failed miserably um, in the religious conviction. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I was... I remember, I wouldn't ask God to help me lose weight, but I remember doing things like every birthday cake I blew the candles out on, I just wished to be thin. And, uh, you know, so I came into program, um, uh, the lying selfishness, self-centeredness that we believe is the root of our problem. And I came in with selfishness, self-centeredness, um, and, you know, and I knew it all. So it's like, well, you know, don't talk to me about God, just give me the diet and I'm out of here. You know, I'm gonna lose the weight and I'll be out of here. Um, but I was I was desperate, and thankfully I was desperate. <clears throat> Excuse me, because um, you know that that uh, that flimsy read for me was just being open-minded um, and and being willing to follow some simple directions. Um, and following the directions gave me the design for living. It gave me that vital spiritual experience so I could live life on life's terms and be God-centered, um, other-centered, and not so self-centered. Um, and, you know, the, it's, it's interesting because I came into, um, I came in and I had about three years of abstinence and I was in a normal body and, and I weighed over 200 pounds when I, um, you know, at my top weight. And, you know, I used to go to doctors and they would say, oh, you need to lose weight and yada, yada. And um, anyway, so three years into being in a normal body and being abstinent and, and really finding this new life, um, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And when I went into the doctor who was going to do the surgery, um, I said, you know, can, can I wait? Because he wanted to do it the next day. And I said, can I wait? I'm like really busy. And, um, and he just laughed at me. And and I said, and he goes, no, you don't want to wait. And so I said, well, how long is this going to take? Because I really am busy. <laughs> and, and he said to me, he said, you know, you're fit and you're trim. Um, I've seen people go through this pretty quickly. You might do it. And, um, and, and that was like, you know, here I should have been in fear that I, was, that I had colon cancer, but I was just like sucking up going, here's a doctor for the first time in my life tell me I'm fit and trim. Wahoo, this is pretty cool. And, you know, and that's just, that's just like, one is a little, I mean, I was able, the, the, the best part of this was I was able to go through this surgery um, with no fear. It was just like, okay, you know, I'm ready to get, to recuperate, get through this and, um, and, and move on with my life. Um, my life is, uh, I mean, it's incredible the things that I'm able to get done that I was never able to get done. Um, <clears throat> so I do have a new life. And I'm not fighting the food. I have freedom from the food. And all it is is really just following these simple steps. Thank you. Thank you. Terry H., followed by Sherry KB. Hi, thanks. My name is Terry H., um, recovered compulsive eater from North Carolina. Um, I really like this um, sentence, a new life has been given us, or if you prefer a, a design for living. You know, I... I I can't um, even imagine my life before being in recovery. And, you know, it's, it's, I want to remember because I want to know, remember where I came from as where I am today. And it is just amazing, a design for living. You know, every day I start my day off with, you know, seeking God's power, seeking God's vision. And um, 
from my life, from my day. And, you know, it's just awesome to be able just to turn that over and um, know that my God, my higher power is loving and powerful enough to handle anything that comes up through the day. And without working these steps, you know, and, and doing the work and putting the action in, I would have never known that and have never felt that in my life today. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for this. You know, at first, a flimsy read. Um, my higher power has proven over and over again that, you know, um, God is loving and powerful over and over again, that nothing is too too big or too large um, for my higher power to take care of. You know, when I was at the, the crossroads and in the struggle and in the disease, you know, that's all I knew. You know, food, 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 food was the solution to, you know, life's struggles and, um, and food behaviors. And, you know, today it's, it's not the solution for me. It's, you know, my higher power is my solution. And working these steps and working these principles and practicing them every day. You know, I have to do 10 steps. <laughs> I've had to do quite a few recently. And I am just so grateful I have that opportunity to do that and, and you know, and, and give it away and clear those blocks. I don't want any blocks between my higher power, me and my higher power. Um, I just want that total connection so I can, you know, live my new life and in um, this new design for living because it's pretty awesome. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Carrie H. Sherry KB. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. Um, thank you for your service. Um, you know, I'm listening to everybody, and, you know, what I've always been told how important it is to identify in um, to, to the paragraphs. And I did not have a lot of religious convictions, but I sure had a lot of other convictions. Like, you know, I was kind of taught in my family, you're weak if you lean on anything but yourself. So it's not that I didn't have a, a higher power in my life. It's just that I was taught very early on that I needed to lean on myself more than anything else. And so that got me into trouble a lot with step two. And so what it's telling me here is that I need to find something greater than myself to lean on because my way sure hadn't gotten me anywhere very far at all. And so, you know, I, I was that flimsy reed, really. I didn't know it, but I was the flimsy reed, and I needed to lean on something greater than myself to help me with my my food addiction. And, you know, I just thought the only problem was the food, and if I solved that, then, you know, I could, um, you know, go and live my life. And, you know, I've heard people say on the line, the food was the solution, and what I want to say, the food was the solution until I realized that I had a food addiction and that what it did to me and how I, I did with the food was very different than what normal people did. So my solution could never be the food. My solution has to be a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity around my mental obsession and the physical allergy of the body. And, it, and throughout this book, it's saying to please set aside your ideas, your prejudices, your convictions, because we had them galore. And so what we need to do is start with a new, a new slate. And, and how we do that for myself is that I get into this book, I identify in, I, I work the steps, and I connect with a power greater than myself. And in step two, it talks about, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, that's all it's, it's all it's asking in step two is just, just to believe that what we've been doing, what I've been doing hasn't worked and that I need something greater than myself. And that will open up for me to have a new design for living. And what that means to me is that my new, the new way of thinking, my feeling of, of being useful to others, to God, to others, and to work these steps and to pass it on because the only way I can keep it is to pass it on. And that's what keeps me recovered is living in 10, 11, and 12. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Reggie O. Hey, good morning, Sylvia. Thank you for your service. And everybody who's on the line and sharing this morning, it was really great paragraphs. And um, 
you know, I was thinking about you know, a flimsy reed. You know, I, I, I'm having a, I'm having a sort of a rebirth and program, having been through it and been recovered once before and many years out and flailing and in and out. And you know, and my my flimsy reed in this new new life and in, in uh, program was in uh, this past August when I just woke up one morning and I. And the idea of going to uh, listening to a vision for you uh, recording came to my mind. That was that was my flimsy read, and that was definitely higher powered because I started listening, and then I started listening live, and then I got a sponsor, and you know, and then I worked the steps, and you know, had a spiritual experience, and and you know, and it continues, and it grows, and you know, I I've, I've also you know questioned about why if you have a good you know why would religious conviction? I not that I had religious conviction. I had in, intellectual religion, spirituality, or whatever. But that's not the that is not a vital spiritual experience. It's a head experience. It's not a heart. It's not something that changes me. But I, you know, but the other part of that was because of my addiction to compulsive eating and to certain alcoholic foods. Uh, they they actually became my God, you know, they they were my solution only in the fact that they took me out of my, they took me out of the amazing discomfort of, of myself and my emotions and the, you know, sometimes the sensations in my body. Uh, but it was, but I, I couldn't go anyplace else because I was addicted to them, you know, so I, that was all I knew and I couldn't, you know, break that hold until I came back in here, you know, and then my, my flimsy read of coming back and starting to listen, listen, and I, I think that's true for a lot of us is the, is the people, you know, is the program, is the message, is the book, is the daily reading and then finding and, and hearing, hearing, hearing the people who have changed and had that experience and whose lives have radically changed who have a new design for living. And, uh, and and that holds that held me, you know, that held me until I got through and had my own and was working in ten, eleven, and twelve, and just you know, this design for living is absolutely amazing, you know. And I experienced it yesterday with a step ten that I woke up. Something has been on my mind, a fear that I've had. Never considered the step ten for this particular thing, and uh, and I reached out with it yesterday and uh, and talked to two people, and you know, it's like put me in a healing something so old and so deep in my life I, you know I have an opportunity to heal through that you know 10th step and they continue that that reaching out you know that's a part of the design for living it's just also this amazing community you know it's designed so that we not only go to God but sometimes God speaks through other people and we have this community we're not designed to do it alone so I'm just totally grateful and um, I'll pass with that thank you Reggie I have time for one more person who would like to close us out today. Hi, this is Melanie. Karen. Uh, you, you both were right on top of each other. Melanie, but I can I would acquiesce to the other person. Okay. Hi, this is Karen. Karen, what's your last initial? H, Karen H. Karen so, H, go ahead. Recovered in Chicago. Thank you, Sylvia, for your service. What a great meeting, and I'm so Glad to have uh, joined in this morning. I'm not, I don't usually attend this meeting, and I'm grateful to be here this morning. So thank you. And these passages really, really speak to me today. Um, I I was raised up in a Catholic Charities Orphanage for nine years from 5 to 14. And needless to say, what I got out of that was extreme prejudice against all things religious. And um, I lived my life that way with this real... Uh, defiance against anything uh, that was religious. And I didn't know that spirit and religious religion were two different things. And I went into my first OA meeting when I was a teenager. And what was happening was a lot of God talk. And I had to leave that meeting and didn't go back for another eight years until I got sick and suffering enough to say that I was willing to hear the word God in my presence. And, um, I, I think that what it says about um, uh, that some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do it without spiritual help. Well, I am a proof positive of the fact that I have devoted all of my adult life, I am now 55, in the rooms of recovery, and I did not get recovered. And I did so much work, but I did not have spiritual help. 
because again of that deep-seated prejudice that I had against all things what I perceived as religious or spiritual and I used so much of what was offered in the in the rooms um, and yet I could not find a power or God uh, to to help me and therefore I, I again I struggled even in the room so if it's dark and gloomy outside uh, you know, many come in and, and find what they need in the rooms. I, I unfortunately did not until I finally found this wonderful big book way in a way that I had never experienced before. Um, and finally, I was able to find um, the God of my own understanding through the exact, precise, specific direction. So this is my my miracle uh, in my life, considering now I feel like I'm six years old because that's how, how long I have been doing it this way where, uh, you know, when it says a new life has been given us, I, I definitely feel like I have been given a new life, one that is uh, a design for living that really does work. I was raised up because I had no God and I had no parents on self-reliance and self-sufficiency, and I carry that into all of my my life. And today, this wonderful experience of, of being able to journey with the God of my understanding, who, you know, I, I thought that the point of all of this was to help me uh, get thin and to eat healthy. And I was really struck when I became willing, uh, when it says that the main purpose of this book is to help us find a power greater than ourselves who will solve our problem and problems, because I had many uh, that I did not know that. I just... Uh, steadfastly thought that the whole point of this was to help me to eat healthy and to uh, get thin. And uh, time. Thank you. The the thought that the main purpose of all of this work that I do from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed is to be connected to this power, which today I call God, to help me navigate this thing of life and to be well related uh, in in the world is a. Uh, is quite a wonderful new design for living that I am so grateful for. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you to everyone who shared, and please stick around for the end of the meeting where we will greet newcomers and, and have sponsors. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will John Kay please read A Vision for You? I certainly will. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.